Welcome to the Adventures in Ranching podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Waldo. In this podcast, I'm sharing my family's experiences of moving to a ranch in Montana. Well, I don't know that I would call it a ranch. It's something that my mother-in-law calls it, but it's about five acres and it's the most property that we've ever had. And we seem to be well on our way to having a bit of a ranch or ranchette and who knows where it will go. But what I found is that this journey has called to me. And in this podcast, I share the adventures that we go through of not knowing how to do any of this, not knowing anything about living on more than a small piece of property in more of an urban area or even in a small town or a suburban area. And what we have learned and what we're learning as we go along. My intention with this podcast is for those that are looking for a little entertainment in their day as we go through our adventures, or maybe you're longing to move to your ranch or your ranchette or your homestead or farmette or whatever you want to call a small piece of your own land that allows you to connect maybe with nature, with animals, with more self-sustainability, whatever your purpose is. My goal with this podcast is to share my journey and to inspire you, perhaps entertain you, and perhaps help you explore whether that's something that's right for you as well. So tune in as we embark on our adventure in ranching. Welcome back to the Adventures in Ranching podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk about getting through the hard parts. Getting through the hard parts of our adventures in ranching. Um, boy, has this come up a lot in the last mm, 48 hours. And it's something that we have experienced many times as we've gone on this adventure in ranching, adventure in living here in Montana. And I would be remiss to not talk about it. And it's kind of a fitting day here in Montana. It's funny, we had this um, really unexpected, warm and uh, sunny weather for a number of days. It was almost too much. It was in the high 80s. And then now we've had rain and today it's really cloudy and gray skies. I can barely see the mountain in front of me and it's rainy, um, but it's green, which is kind of cool. And, um, you know, the, the kind of seeing the, the what is and, 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 and what could be seen as the gray sky and the negative, but seeing the grass and seeing how pretty it is, is a bit of an analogy for, how I've at least learned to navigate the challenges of our adventures in ranching, um, which is you can't 
change them. You can't get rid of them and you can't stop them. <laughs> They're going to happen no matter what. And we've had many of them. Um, so I often find that my job is to accept them and to allow them to be. And yet also to allow myself to not force myself to see the glasses half full, but allow myself to see other things that are still feeling good. Um, and the blessings in light of the challenges. So let me dig in. Um, I think I've talked about our horse, the great horse escape, um, which we had happen. And our solution to that was, well, we thought we would get to fix that fence, but it took a while because there are a lot of other things that need a fixin' here on the old uh, ranchette in Montana. Um, a lot of things, you know, that are unexpected and a lot of things that just take longer than you think are going to take and things that we've taken on that we're like, oh, shoot, why did we do that? Why did we take that on too? It seemed so reasonable at the time. Um, you know, things like getting a puppy, uh, getting a bearded dragon, my two pet mice have been the easiest ever, so I can't complain about them. Um, but, you know, just taking on a lot and um, having things, you know, what seems like one thing turn into a hundred things has kind of been the story of our experience in going on this adventure in ranching where you just don't see all the other things that are going to come up. Um, that can create challenges. And yet we've had that happen over and over again. So um, with our great horse escape, what we ended up, we couldn't figure out where the horse, the new horse Raven got out. There's no, there was no fence down. What we do know is that the electric fence had been off. Um, I don't exactly know how that happened. I don't really recall but somehow it had been off and it hadn't been an issue because our other horse, you know, had known it as being on and then he didn't seem to bother it. But when you have a new horse in the mix, you never know what their history is and how tricky they are. And clearly somehow he figured out that the fence was off and he could somehow get out. Now he wasn't able to figure out how to get back in. But the one that one day I did see um, I did see him in the half section, the paddock that attaches to their permanent shelter, which is what opens up into the larger pasture where he got out. Um, I saw him stick his head between the two, uh, line between the tape, um, the electric tape and the, the rope. And he was getting grass. And so maybe he just kind of like bent it down enough because it was saggy in a certain part and just stepped out. I don't know. I still don't exactly know how he got out. But what we ended up doing is we ended up trying to, um, well, we ended up closing off our, 
our solution, the closest solution we could come up with, um, was to close off the cross section. We had created a, a division between the larger pasture where the shelter was, and there was a cross section that would allow us to have um, a gate, but we never put the gate on. We just had part of the fencing up and no gate. So we had gone after the great horse escape of Raven um, that I talked about in a previous episode. We'd gone out and put up the gate and we thought, well, that would that would work. At least we can use this half of the pasture um, to be able to contain him and Nilo until we solved the problem or figured out the problem of the bigger pasture. And it ended up that I would bring the horses over into the smaller enclosure, which is their shelter with the paddock, the the part that we added the gate to. Um, And we had some snafus with that. One is um, horses being difficult to catch to be able to move back and forth easily. The other thing is the one day I think my husband left the gate open. So Raven ended up getting out into the larger pasture that I didn't want him in because that's the one he escaped from anyway. Now, luckily I caught wind of that before too long and I was able to catch him and bring him back. But we had some other challenges like the one day, you know, when he finished his food, um, before I could move him and Nilo to the other larger pasture across the driveway, I, this is how I learned that he sticks his neck through because in the small paddock area, um, I found him, I found Raven with his head between the, the two lines of electric wire. Now, granted, like I said, they weren't working because of the issue. Um, but I was grateful to discover that and realize, oh my gosh, like I can't put them in here at all because he could get, you know, as long as he's calm and he just puts his head through and then he pulls it out, that's fine. But what if he puts his head through and then he gets spooked and then he gets caught up and, um, it's kind of complicated, but our neighbors have a, they put a, they put a fence right on our property line and it's a nice fence with wood, three wood rails. Um, but we couldn't use it for our horses because, um, it's got this, uh, non-safe wire in it, um, that the horse hooves can get caught in. And so, um, we, can't risk we couldn't risk having our horses go up against that and so if if raven got his head caught or he got panicked he could end up getting caught up next to the fence that is our neighbors that's right next to our fence um and that could be an issue so we stopped being able to keep the horses in the paddock or have access to their shelter Um, until we could figure it out. And what that meant is they were across the driveway in their other permanent pasture that was meant to turn green. It was meant to be a pasture for them to, for it to grow and get green and for them to, to, to kind of graze on and for me to increase their grazing. Um, 
and it didn't even have a shelter. And we had to like, there was no way to separate them to feed them. So every time, you know, that they were in there, every meal, I had to go out and put out feed tubs and feed one at one spot and feed the other one at the other spot. And I normally had to bring my husband along and we had to like, it was like a two man operation. Why? Because Nilo, my first guy, Snorty McSnort, otherwise known as Piggy McPig, he is, um, very food oriented and he gobbles his food down. And so he eats his food and then he goes over and tries to take Raven's food. Even if Raven's food is across the width of the pasture, like pretty far away, he'll just, the moment he's finished, he runs over. Um, and then Raven will just give up his food, even if he doesn't, you know, even if he's not finished yet. So it had to be like a two-man operation where um, I would stay with uh, Nilo or with Raven and then the other person goes over with the other horse and then um, the moment Nilo, Mr. Piggy McPig, finishes his grain and he decides to hightail it over, we have to pull the tub out so that Raven's food doesn't get eaten by Nilo um, because we don't have a setup in this pasture for separating them. Um, and so what we have to do is, is pull the tub out and then chase Nilo away or try to get Nilo to try to eat some hay, which, you know, I normally can entice him if I have some hay that has alfalfa in it. It's got the little juicy bits and then he'll kind of stick around for a while. So I discovered that, um, and then put the tub back in for Raven so he can finish up. And oh my gosh, it's such a project. So um, this was getting to be old. Um, also, you know, if I did bring them over into the other section in the paddock um, where they could be separated, uh, Raven's section opens up into the larger paddock area where he can get his head through. So if I did put them in that other section just to feed them. I had to be able to stand there and, and watch and, and then catch Raven and bring him over to the other pasture. So long, I don't know if you're understanding any of this, it's complicated without looking at a, a pasture floor plan or a fat pasture layout plan, but basically it meant hard work and it was getting challenging. So we decided that we were going to, you know, try to figure out, we needed to figure out what was going on in the main pasture. Um, and the other issue is that the main pasture um, has a section carved out for my husband's garden. There is another gate that hasn't been put in yet that needs to get put in. And then part of that pasture is actually the riding area. So, um, it's the idea was for it to, to create a riding, um, I don't know about an arena where it gets sub fenced in, but at least the part where, uh, I was going to ride to at least tromp that grass down, um, and create like a path like I did last, last summer. That's what I had last summer. Um, but the, the goal was to get that, 
uh, like rototilled or chopped up or whatever and, and leveled out a little more and then put down a layer of um, gravel and then some sand and have that be a sandy, you know, arena part. Um, and then in the winter, they can also just kind of walk in on it um, with the sand and, and I don't know. I mean, we're new to this. We're not quite sure how to set it up. And um, we don't have the space to do an indoor arena. And we don't have the space to do a huge outdoor arena that doesn't also get multi-used in the winter. Um, so, or at least we haven't been willing to dedicate the space to that. So, so there's just kind of like all these complications. But what I had thought was that that larger pasture, which is attached to their permanent shelter, which is where they have their separate feeding areas, um, that I would keep them in that. And as the grass kind of grew up a little bit, they could have that grass. And then um, the, the other two pastures that we have, the other permanent one and this other temporary one that was behind our house um that those would be the real grassy areas that once the grass started growing I would put them into you know and and start to acclimate them to having more grass and take them off of um other food and hay that I'd been feeding them but build them up slowly um, so that they don't have any health issues from being on grass too soon. Well, that also kind of got thrown by the wayside when I had to move them to one of those other pastures because now the pasture that I had to move them into is the one that they're tromping down so the grass isn't growing as much in. And where was the grass growing? In their main permanent pasture, that is the one that they're supposed to stay in that has the arena in. The grass has been growing like bonkers in there. Um, and especially now the last few days because we've, we've had rain and then we had all this sunlight. Oh my goodness. So, but of course there's a complication. And what the complication was is there was supposed to be... Um, a lot of rain and lightning yesterday. So I said to my husband, I don't want the horses out in the pasture where they're at right now without any access to shelter with lightning. Because we also have these really tall trees in the pasture where they've been. And they basically have been sleeping, you know, outside. Now, they don't really come into the pa into the shelter, really. Um, but I want them to have that in bad weather or especially in lightning or, you know, whatever, hail. Um, you know, Nilo definitely has used the shelter at times and I want him to have that option. So we ended up um, trying to figure out what was going on in our permanent pasture where the fence hasn't been working where the horse got out we couldn't figure out where he got out the only thing we could figure out is that he just will not respect the fence obviously if it's not electrified and so we were solution seems like oh just turn the electric back on in this pasture well that's all fine and good but the problem is when we turn it on, it still isn't getting much voltage through it. And we didn't know why. 
And we had gone with this really um, nice looking tape and rope from a brand. Um, I'm not going to mention the brand. Uh, Part of me feels like I should because I'm really annoyed. Um, Because I bought all this tape and rope. And people said that it was okay. And um, I bought... I bought a bunch of rope thinking that we needed more and we wanted to change all of our pastures to it. And it turns out that the rope just doesn't conduct electricity the way that it just, I don't know, it works in the one pasture where they're at right now. Um, It's lower than it should be for sure, but at least it contains them. But in the other pasture, the one that he broke out of, for some reason, it was hardly conducting anything, um, which is why we ended up just turning it off. Um, so um, what we ended up doing is we were trying to think of like, should we just buy all new rope from another company? And my husband did a bunch of tests and he was seeing that the conductivity of the other the other rope worked better. Um we like having tape at the top because of visibility. We really like this brown rope because when you enter our property, you just see the brown rope um, and the and the wood top rails along our driveway. And it just aesthetically looks a lot better than white. Um, it just kind of blends into nature more and it just looks prettier. And, and, and we had about five spools of this stuff and it's not you know it's not cheap um and we couldn't return it we were past the return point because we bought it last fall so what to do what to do what to do we ran a test um with a new fresh line of the brown rope um from one of the new spools and it seemed to be conducting pretty well. Not as good as the white stuff, but pretty well. So we made a decision to take out all the existing brown rope and replace it yesterday with all of new brown rope and making sure that, um, you know, maybe the other rope was just you know, maybe there was, it was just a bad batch or something. And we, we kind of got some better, um, connectors for when the, you know, when we connect different parts of the rope together. Um, my husband talked to the, one of the companies and, and got a better connector. And he basically spent what we thought was going to be like an hour or two. He spent all day yesterday, And he recruited my oldest son to help as well. And I went out to help as well. I had some other things that I was doing um, in between. But um, he was out in the rain all day yesterday working. And, And did the lightning ever come, which was the whole purpose for needing to do this right away? No, we had no lightning, which is probably good because, you know, he ended up being out there and I didn't want him out there in the lightning. But the whole point of needing to do this right away was because there was going to be lightning and I didn't want the horses to be out with lightning. Well, it didn't lightning, but my husband got the fence done. Um, and, and so he ran all new brown rope, which we had all around this existing pasture, um, permanent pasture. And the sad thing is at the very end, he came in and he had tested the heck out of it. 
And it still is just not conducting that well. I mean, it's conducting better than the rope that we had up there, but it still is just not conducting that well. It's It's got a low level conductivity. Sometimes you test it and it's got almost nothing in a certain spot. Um, other spots it's higher, but it, it, in general, it's still not nearly as high as it should be. And so we just felt so, I don't know, I was doing like receipts for accounting yesterday, which there's nothing worse for me to put me in a downtrodden mood than doing that all day. Um, and, and, you know, it was rainy and my husband was working on that. And at one point I brought, you know, out some, um, chocolate chip cookies, uh, and, and that seemed to kind of create a little bit of a bright spot. Um, but you know, when he came in back at the end of the day and it took all day to work on this and it didn't even yield very good results. And I had spent all day doing paperwork, which, oh my goodness, is like the bane of my existence. I just hate doing like manual paperwork kind of stuff between the two things it was just a very melancholy feeling. It was just such a moment of feeling like, oh, what on earth? All this time, all this energy. Now, we we think, we hope, knock on wood, I'm going to knock on uh, wood right here, knock on wood that when we turn the horses into it, that at least it contains them. You know, I know it'll contain Nilo, but will it contain Mr. Raven, Miss, Mr. Raven, Escape Raven? That's what I guess I should start calling him. I hope so, because I really don't want to see, you know, another horse trotting across the driveway, um, you know, or whatever. Um, and, and, and the other thing now, too, is... <laughs> I can't even turn the horses out into the larger pasture. Like I realized, I swear the grass in the larger part of the pasture just like went crazy in the rain in the last two days. And so there's so much grass in there and they're not used to that much grass. So all I can really do is use the paddock section of the part that we just rewired and let them graze that down and get used to it and acclimate and then, um, you know, and then move them into the bigger pasture that we just rewired and hope that that contains them. So none of it is really a perfect solution. And it all just kind of left me feeling just so, oh, just so downtrodden. Downtrodden, I think, is the best word. Disheartened. Um, you know, and and really, my husband and I looked at each other and we just kind of thought, well, you know, it is what it is. And we're not going to sugarcoat it and we can't change it. And we're not going to ignore the fact that it basically just sucks it just sucks. But you know, we've had a lot of experiences that have been very wonderful and magical since going on our, on our adventure in ranching. And we've had a lot of situations that have just sucked. Like it sucked to have to have uh, a trench in our driveway 
all winter long with dirt and make it really hard for cars to pull in and turn around. Well, not cars, but trucks. Um, we had to move our RV. We had to, we had to do the hoses, you know, it just sucked. It was magical when the stuff, all the frost freeze just worked. And then we were able, my husband was able to close up the trench, um, a a week or so ago, which is amazing and have our driveway back, but it sucked. It was so awful. It was, it just, it stank. You know, it was horrible that we had to deal with that. Um, and we've had many, many, many situations where things just do not go according to our plan. Things do not go as well as we had hoped, or as I mentioned, and I've talked about a lot of things last year, so many things that we would think, oh, okay, we just do this one thing. We we get the tractor hooked up, we put this implement on it, and then we use it. No, 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 no. That's not the way that it has worked. The implement, you know, the, I don't know what, my husband dealt with a lot of this with the tractor where like, um, the attachment for the implement would like not work. And he'd go to the tractor store and then like, it still wouldn't work. And then of course the tractor store closes early because it's, I don't know, someday when tractor stores close early that no one knew about on a Friday and it's closed for the whole weekend. So what does that mean? It means you can't do anything you were planning to do over the entire weekend because you can't get the part that you need because it closed early and you didn't know that and you had to wait till Monday. I mean, we've had many, many situations like this. Um, I also want to touch on Oh my gosh, last year. And I haven't talked about this, but you know, we, this idea of bringing the horse, the first horse onto our property was not planned. First, there wasn't a plan to get a horse. Then it was, we were going to board the horse. And then it was like, no, we're going to bring the horse here. And it seemed reasonable. Like, okay, just put up, um, do some kind of temporary, you know, um, temporary enclosure while you build a shelter and it can't be that hard. Um, yeah, well, we had, we had a, a, what was supposed to be our permanent shelter got started in May and it got finished in late October. (laughs) Yeah. So we had a shelter that was basically under construction for that entire time on our property. Why? Was it because people are lazy and they don't want to work on things? No, it's because people had to do other things. And all those other things seem like they would take, you know, one amount of time. And instead, there were all kinds of things like like the equivalent version of the tractor thing that I was just saying, where something doesn't work or you don't know how to do something and you need to learn how to do 10 other things to do the one thing. We've encountered this time and time and time again. Um, But the one thing that happened last year was, you know, we, I bought this horse. The horse was going to come. 
it was a question of do I go get him or do I have him shipped? It turned out that it was cheaper to and easier to have him shipped. Um, why? Um, in part also because we didn't have his quarters set up. So we had to get a temporary shelter up because it became very clear that that permanent shelter that I just told you was not going to be ready. Like we originally thought it was going to be ready. Oh, we can build this thing and have it ready. And then we'll just do some electric fencing and some corral panels. And that's what will contain him. Well, that didn't work because there's no way that shelter was going to be ready. So we ended up buying one of these, um, like, uh, it's called shelter logic. It's like this little system that you, you buy these corral panels separately and then you buy this shelter logic thing, which is almost like a roof and sides that you put over top of three corral panels set in a U shape, like a stall. And that's what we set up as the shelter. And we also, we got these, um, kind of like movable corral panels that you basically can attach all to each other and you don't have to put them in the ground. We, somebody bought some for some goats and then they didn't need them anymore. And we found them on, I think, Facebook and, and, and bought them. That was a whole other project. Turns out, they were so heavy, we had to rent a flat load hydraulic trailer to be able to transport them back to our house. That was another thing we didn't expect. <laughs> so just to get the darn temporary corral panels back to our place, we had to do that last year. But we got those back and then we set up this temporary corral Um and a temporary shelter, well, the, what I call the temporary shelter. A lot of people use these as permanent shelters, um, the shelter logic shelter. Um, and we ended up moving it over this winter and using it to um, hold some of our hay. Uh, as And so, you know, it's it's good. It's, it's good that we bought it because um, we will use it. And we'll actually set it back up in the area behind our house this um, summer as a shelter for um, that pasture for when they're in there and grazing that down. So we will for sure use this. But last year we had to get this all set up and then we had to run electric fencing. And that was our first foray into electric fencing. Like we knew nothing about electric fencing. And so we bought this other brand of white rope and tape and it seemed to work well but we didn't like the white as much which is why we later went to the brown for the permanent pasture because um, we liked it aesthetically um, and we don't keep the we don't keep the white rope up behind our house we don't keep that up all winter we take it off we leave the stakes in the ground but we take the rope off um, just because of the amount of snow and 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 we're not maintaining it um, over the winter we're not we don't use it over the winter but that's what we want to set back up but but last year this is what we had for our um this is what we had for our pasture oh my gosh I have to stop for a minute because this is this is one of the things about living here here I'm talking about the challenges 
and the challenges of last year. But I'm looking out and it's a rainy day and this amazing, huge, um, I don't know that it's a plotted, but he's really, really big um, woodpecker is on the tree right in front of my office window. And, you know, this is the thing. This is the thing. It's like we can be in the midst of these great challenges and then these just moments of just like gifts of magic or gifts of beauty happen, like seeing a a beautiful woodpecker right in front of me. He just flew off, so now he's he's gone. But, you know, we have we have these challenges and we also have these blessings, you know, these blessings that come and remind us to focus on the blessing, to focus on this amazing thing. Um, but let me let me tell you a little bit more about this setup last year. So we have two, we have these older cats and two of them developed issues with hyperthyroidism. We have a, a litter mate of, of those cats, um, the male that had had it happen a few years ago. And um, a number of uh, our previous cats that had um, have since passed, one of them had had hyperthyroidism and we kept him on medication and he didn't live very long on the medication. And we since learned that the medication just, it just causes a number of side effects and issues. And, and we had done, we had actually looked at the cost and the cost of the medication versus the cost of there's this treatment that they can live longer from. Um, so it ends up costing less in the long run. Um, but it's, a a high upfront cost in the beginning. Um, this treatment is, is, is very successful. It's called I-131 and radiation treatment for feline hyperthyroidism. And so we had had that done with the one litter mate and he's still going strong. And that was 2019, 20, 21, 22, 23. He's, he's already survived four years, um, after that treatment and is still doing well, right? Whereas our other cat, um, he had only lived for two years on the medication. And so we, we made a decision that when our other two litter mates that are older had hyperthyroidism and it was a decision of, do we put them on the meds? Um, or do we do the I-131 treatment? And the I-131 treatment is not cheap. And there was no place in Montana that did it. Um, Of course. (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, And we had to do two. And uh, yeah. So lo and behold, what we ended up doing is um, realizing that overall, it would be more cost effective and it would be better for them to go to a place in Southern California where we took our other cat to have treated. And we had lived in Northern California at the time, so we had literally driven him six hours to Southern California. 
and then driven him back. Um, but that was a successful treatment. And he's now since, you know, the the treatment has more than paid for itself than if we kept him on permanent prescription medication. Like we would be paying more out of pocket for that, for how long he has survived and how well he's doing. So we um, made the decision to actually bring our cats down there because there was no place anywhere nearby. Um, the closest place was going to be nine hours from where we live in Montana. And we would have had to wait uh, an additional few months. And the place in Southern California that's way far away they could take us right away and they could take two cats and there's just a lot of other things that worked. And so my husband had a work conference, um, in, um, Southern, well in Santa Barbara. And, um, so we, we kind of figured out that he could drive instead of flying. He could, um, take some vacation days and drive and he could drive the cats and he could drive them down there, visit his sister, and then come back to Santa, you know, a, a distance away to Santa Barbara, go to his conference, and then go back and get the cats and then drive back to Montana. Not exactly what normal people would do, but it actually, um, if all went well, would be a more cost effective way in the long run, assuming that the treatment was successful and the cats live a while and my husband can survive the trip and and do all this so um a crazy enough plan but seemed to make the most sense but what's the big problem well this all needed to happen at the same time when i had said first horse being delivered to our property to a property that hadn't been set up to a property that we were trying desperately to race against the clock and get set up. So that was part of how we abandoned the long-term shelter. We ended up getting this shelter logic thing set up. We bought these corral panels. We, we created a, um, well, actually that's all we had in the beginning. We didn't even have any electric fencing. We basically had the corral panels set up and we had the shelter logic, um, area set up and that's what we had and that's what was going to have to function and work until my husband got back from California and the horse was going to be delivered to the property while I'm here alone. Now I had a friend who was interested in Montana and I think she was looking for a bit of an adventure and a break and she came up and stayed with me um, and so she was here for part of the time while my husband was gone. She wasn't here for when the horse arrived, but she was here for part of the time while my husband was gone. Because my husband was gone for like a week um, between the driving and the conference and the cats needing their treatment. And so I was going to have on a horse, a new horse on my property for the first time ever um, while my husband's away and um, I'm going to have him in a temporary corral and area that we had just set up that, you know, you just never know how these things are going to work. And I was going to have to be okay with all of that. 
um, and, and deal with anything that came up. And, you know, we don't have a big resource network here of people to kind of help us. So it was like, okay, we hope this is going to work out. And so I was having massive kind of panic attacks, almost um, anxiety about just, I don't know, stupid things that like now just seem so simple, but at the time seemed so confusing with trying to figure everything out. Like what feed bucket to get and how many water buckets to get and how to set up the water and what to do about the hay. And it's all kind of like no brainer now, no big deal to me now. But back then, after having not had a horse for a long time, never having a horse that I set up from scratch and never having a horse on my property, it felt very daunting. It felt really challenging. And to have that all happen felt daunting, even if my husband was around. But with my husband being several states away, it felt so scary. It felt so scary. Now, what ended up happening is everything worked out pretty well. Um, The the horse came in and was delivered and the corral was fine and everything we had set up was fine. And I was alone for those first few days. And, and then my friend came in and then she was here for a number of days and it all worked out. I mean, what happened after my husband came back is, you know, we needed to like get on making this other larger electric enclosure like stat and we needed to do it like right away um, because the horse needed more room and I couldn't do that myself um, and you know there were just some challenges with that but it was it was just you know it's not one thing it's just all the things and all the things when you haven't done it before that can just be so daunting and so scary and and so um overwhelming really overwhelming i mean there's so many times last year when we went through all of the things that we went through with our tractor and our truck and and the horse first on our property and 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 the the larger temporary electric fencing thing and 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 this that and the other that just it was just there were just moments where i think i don't know if my husband cried but i know i cried it was just so much so much and it would just seem like like things weren't gonna work out or that everything was just gonna just go into the crapper (laughs) literally just like just tank but they did work out I mean we had challenges and we had moments and it was kind of like with this woodpecker, you know, it's like, we would have these challenging moments, and then something really kind of magical would come like a woodpecker or, um, 
you know, seeing a new view of the mountain from a certain spot in our property or discovering that it turned out that this one thing that was bad at the time ended up being an advantage because it meant some other thing. We've had all of those things happen so many times. And so what I've come to realize um, as we've gone through this, you know, great adventure in ranching is, you know, is, is, is really this whole process of just putting one foot in front of the other and continuing to go to drop the oars of control to drop the oars of needing everything to be perfect, um, to drop those expectations, to allow things to unfold and trust that they can unfold in ways that may seem like they weren't what we wanted or how we 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 envisioned it, um, but they can still work out. And I, there are a lot of reasons for how I come to this mindset or this perspective, really, how I, there are a lot of, there are a lot of reasons for how I come to this perspective. And it has to do with the, the other, the work that I do. Um, and I talk about it in my other podcasts. Um, and it has to do with, understanding energy and understanding how to connect with your inner guidance and 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 all of that um and I'm not really focusing on that in this podcast so if you're interested in that check those out and and you can hear me talk about those things because I actually talk in those podcasts about going through challenges and the different things that I've learned about tuning into my own inner guidance about it. But I'm, I'm really, you know, just touching on that in this podcast a little bit right now in the context of explaining that that is how we have gone through these woes of our adventures in ranching, right? Because for every moment of dancing in the pastures and for every moment of being like, oh my gosh, those, you know, the moon and, and the glow or seeing the mountains or, you know, the magic. There are also many, many, many moments where things are hard and things aren't what we thought they were going to be and things aren't um, as easy as we thought, or, you know, maybe we didn't think it was going to be easy, but we thought, oh, we need to do this one thing and it's going to take this amount of time. So we allow that amount of time, but it takes triple that. And then it turns out we need to learn, you know, 30 other things to be able to get that one thing done. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. it all gets easier and we're learning how to do this more and more. And the things that terrified the crap out of me last year, like the temporary shelter for the horse that was coming in, like seem kind of like no big deal now. And I know how to do it. 
I know how to do that now. And it's given me confidence to know that even when, even with our permanent pasture and the fencing, the brown fencing that isn't working so well, another solution will come up. We'll figure something out. In the end, it'll work out because it always does. We always find a way. A way always finds us. We always end up experiencing blessings that are unexpected. We end up experiencing magical moments that help us get through. And we end up just making it through the challenges. And we've learned a lot through that. And now we know how to do that. And I... I've said that I was called for this property. I was called to move to Montana. And and I really do believe and I know that the, it's part of some larger calling. Um, and I don't know the full picture of what that looks like. But I know that there's some way in which these skills that I've learned and I'm learning and I'm, you know, learning every day there's some larger purpose, whether it's for me to be out in nature more and to connect more and be just more connected to myself or connected to nature or just feeling more present or that it's for some future thing that we're going to be doing. And this is teaching, you know, it's like this is the elementary school version of it. I don't know the answers to those things. But what I do know, I do know is that things can always work out. And I do know that things do always work out. And that, that is the thing that I'm always asking myself to remember. To remember as we go on these adventures in ranching. And as we have our challenges and our moments that are not what we expect. And so whether you're listening to this and you don't live on a homestead or a ranch, maybe you want to do it in the future. um, I hope you hear this because if you want to do this in the future, understand that this is part of the journey. But I've learned it's also a part of the journey that makes those moments when you realize things have worked out or things work out in unexpected ways, it makes them ever so much more sweet. And if you are on your own journey with your own homestead or your ranch hat and you're going through your own challenges, maybe you can relate to what I'm talking about because we learn to trust ourselves more through this process. I've learned to trust myself more. I've learned to trust that things work out more. I've learned to trust that we can embark on unknown things and that things can work out in unexpected ways. And so... That is where I'm going to leave it with that message for today's episode. Until the next one, I'll leave it at that.
I'm so glad you joined me on the Adventures in Ranching podcast. To learn more about my other offerings, you can visit my website at michellewaldo.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-W-A-L-D-O dot com.